Welcome to the PW Grocer Environmental Echo Podcast. I'm Paul Boyce. I'm the President and CEO. And with me today, I have Brian Grogan, one of our Vice Presidents in the Engineering Group. And I also have our Marketing Director, Nick Anastasi. Today, you'll be uh, listening to our third part of our three-part series on water quality issues as they relate to Long Island. We'll be covering topics today on wastewater that include nitrogen and wastewater impacts on the groundwater and surface water bodies here in Long Island, as well as treatment technologies. And we're also going to be covering, you know, what's next for Long Island as far as wastewater management goes. And in the meantime, if you guys, before we get started, if there's any questions or um, concerns or issues you may have regarding this podcast, we're always happy to reach out to folks, but you got to reach out to us first, and you can do that through our, uh, our website, uh, which is uh, pwgrocer.com backslash podcast, or through our social media outlets. Uh, but today, as I said, i got Brian and Nick with me today, and we're looking forward to get started on this uh, interesting topic of wastewater. Uh, many people refer to as doo-doo voodoo. Love it. <laughs> How fun can that topic be, right? Oh, it's going to be a blast. We can't get into any trouble, right? So, Brian, let's literally dive right into this topic, shall we? All right. And let's try to stay as clean as we can for our listeners. Um, but, you know, we mentioned nitrogen, you know. Big, hot topic here in Long Island. It's been, been fr- that way for a while, and it's probably going to be that way also for a while, you know. It took a long time for us to get into this position, and it's going to take, oh boy, a long time to get out. So as far as wastewater and nitrogen go, you know, what do you think is the, the, the most prevalent or the biggest problem we're facing right now? Right now, it's basically lack of, I'll say, proper treatment. We were kind of, we as, as a whole in Suffolk County, we're kind of, I'll say, stuck in the Stone Age a little bit. Um, you know, the old rules were you basically put it into a system, whether it had been a cesspool up until the late mid-70s, and then you switched over to a septic tank at a cesspool. Um, if you ask most homeowners these days where your septic system is located, they're going to look at you with a blank stare, um, unless they've ever had to have it pumped out. And even then, if they've pumped it out, you ask them, well, how often do you do it? Well, once every 20 years when it backed up. Well, you know, basically it was the ultimate out of sight, out of mind. You know, you flush the toilet, it goes away, and you never see it or hear from it again. Um, But that waste, you know, ultimately was recharging back into groundwater, which ultimately feeds a lot of our surface water bodies um, and our drinking water supply. So as you started to develop in the county, um, you would see these nitrogen levels starting to creep up. Um, and that's had has impacts across the board. Like I said, in surface waters, you now that's one of the primary causes of you know algae blooms and you know surface water degradation. And then as well as for the public water supply. I mean, out west in Huntington, I think years and years ago they had you know development boomed, and you know you had to locate new well fields and shut all the ones down because of the high nitrogen concentrations. Oh man, so just. Real quick, if you can answer, just for some of our listeners, you know, what's the difference between a cesspool and a septic tank? So, you know, the basic components, a cesspool was basically old technology. It used to be old block. It was, you know, cylindrical block structures that you made brick by brick, and you put them in your backyard, and it did everything. It collected solids. It leached water. It, that was basically it. Um, you know, if you pumped them down too much, they would collapse on you. So... You know, there was always kind of a safety factor with those. Um, we switched to precast concrete, but it was basically the same kind of situation. It's an eight-foot diameter precast ring, goes in the ground. You bury the top, you never see it again. Um, septic tank at least gives you some treatment. It, it basically is, you know, um, 
acts to collect the solids. There's a baffle wall in the middle. It kind of settles everything out to the bottom. It allows for anaerobic digestion. So, you know, bugs to grow in the absence of oxygen can kind of grow and break down that material. And then the lighter liquids would leach out or leave from the top of that tank through a pipe and go into then a, what would be considered a leaching pool, um, which main goal was to recharge that water or that I'll say treated effluent into you know, the surface or into the ground. Um, that was really the, the main kind of crux of it. So we're, we're, we're saying like the, the cesspools, the one-stop shop, it handled everything. Whereas then we eventually evolved to these septic systems that have a little bit of treatment, as you said. Correct. All right. And we're, we're talking about nitrogen, you know, and it's in the wastewater. And not to get too graphic, but where's it coming from? The main nitrogen is uh, urine, for the cleanest term I can think of. Um, and that's basically, it's in the form of ammonia. So you have to, you know, basically transform the nitrogen or the ammonia through the nitrogen series all the way down to nitrate. Um, and that happens via a, a biological process. Um, and, you know, you're, you're using natural bacteria, you're feeding it with food, which is the other part of number two. Um, access to food for the bugs and in the presence of either oxygen in an aerobic system or uh, anoxic with no oxygen, you can kind of convert and start that conversion process. Um, there are ways that you can do it chemically. Um, and I think that's some of the, the more exciting research that, you know, places like uh, Stony Brook University are doing now um, is finding the bacteria that can kind of short cycle um, that whole process and kind of skip from ammonia right to nitrate. Um, and it's a matter of, you know, can we do that effectively and, and you know, not overly costly uh, so that that could work out for us. So what's, you know, the long-term solution, you know, where, where do we go from here? You know, we, as you said, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's been evolving for a long time and we're gonna, it's going to take a long time for us to, to remediate this. But, you know, wh what are the ideas going around right now? How do we address this? I, I know we've got some... We've mentioned it in some of our previous podcasts. We've got some political leaders right now that have the, the will to take this on. Um, well, what's, what are we doing? So right now the county had completed in the last couple of years a, a countywide subwatershed management plan. And, and that focused on, you know, what kind of wastewater technologies we have in the county. Um, you know, all these individual subwatersheds. Um, what the nitrogen loads were, the calculated nitrogen loads for, loads for each of the individual water bodies, and it kind of put forth a plan to rectify it. Now that plan, again, depending upon the area, involves utilizing large-scale municipal sewers, kind of like what we have down in Bergen Point in Babylon, um, or in villages, you know, villages like Patchogue and Sag Harbor and scattered kind of throughout the county. I think there's 20-something county districts that we have in, in the county there. Um, but largely, we have, I think, 350,000 unsewered homes in Suffolk County. It's one of the largest, you know, batches of unsewered uh, population. Um, and, you know, right now, the majority of those are on the conventional septic system, septic tank, leaching pool, or even cesspools. And one of the things for those where sewers are not a viable option is these um, innovative alternative on-site wastewater treatment systems. Um, and these are basically mini sewage treatment plants that go in your backyard. Um, you know, this is something that's relatively new to the county in the last, say, four years. Um, it's not new to the world. Again, we were a little behind the times here, but um, 
these treatment systems have an ability to treat nitrogen to probably about 85, 90% reduction. Um, and we probably should have been embracing the use of these a long time ago. Um, they're not super maintenance heavy. They're relatively easy to install. They look kind of like a septic tank. Um, they all work in a variety of different ways, but you know, basically it's, a, it's an even swap for one of these units from a septic tank. So that's, I think, gonna be the biggest, you know, key to the to fixing this uh, puzzle so how much of an improvement on say like the nitrogen loading do we get if we switch over from like a typical or standard septic system to one of these ia systems so you know we say that a typical septic system you know a septic tank leaching pool puts out an effluent of around 50 milligrams per liter of nitrogen um, all said and done the ia units um, the goal is 19 milligrams per liter and the majority of these get down to below, right around 10 milligrams per liter. So you're getting like almost, a, I don't know, an 80% reduction in the nitrogen. Correct. Using one of these newer systems. Correct. And there are some um, that, you know, Stony Brook University and the Center for Clean Water Technology are using more, I'll say, natural, um, you know, systems, these uh, nitrogen-reducing biofilters, or NRB. Um, but these are getting numbers down in the, the three milligram per liter range, um, which is which is great um, for improving water, you know, you know the, the overall groundwater quality. So it, it is possible to do this, and, and you can see it. It's just a matter of how do we implement it, you know, wide scale. Like I said before, I think we had three hundred and fifty thousand unsewered homes, you know, that we need to get to. Paul, real quick, as we move forward with this discussion, could you just briefly go over how? the nitrogen from a wastewater collection system, say a cesspool or a septic tank, gets into the groundwater and then how that groundwater migrates towards these surface water bodies. I think that's important for our listeners to, to understand. Yep. Uh, you're talking about fate and transport in the environment here. All right. So we've previously discussed that the soil is porous, right, in some of our earlier podcasts. So once that liquid, that effluent, comes through a septic tank into a leaching pool, comes in contact with the soil and it starts to migrate or percolate through the unsaturated zone. So the, the, the pores are unsaturated at that point, they're empty. We're now filling them up with this, you know, wastewater effluent or, or leachate, whatever you want to call it, uh, effluent I suppose, and it's going to make its way down to the water table mm -hmm. where the pores in that soil are now saturated. All right, so it's going to enter there, it's going to get into the, the water, and as we've previously discussed, the groundwater is not static, it's moving. There's gradients that cause it to flow from, let's say, high to low, all right? So as it gets into the water table, it's going to then start to move with the groundwater. And as I've mentioned previously also, nitrogen is fairly conservative once it gets out into the environment. It doesn't like to break down readily. You know, right. Brian went through a whole bunch of processes, how you can do it, and, you know, that, that's, that's involved. That's not typically occurring readily in the environment. Right. So once it gets in there, it's, it's usually in there for a little while, and it starts to flow and migrate. And uh, you will start to see that groundwater will flow, you know, as I said, from high to low. So if you looked at Long Island and you look down the spine of Long Island, like the, the Long Island Expressway, you know, sort of like the, the high point in the island, right? right. It's called the groundwater divide. Come sort of, you know, simultaneous or, you know, matches up pretty well with the Long Island Expressway, the LIE. So water north of the LIE flows towards the sound, generally. Water, groundwater south of the LIE flows towards Bay is in the ocean. Mm -hmm. All right, so depending on where you are, it starts to migrate in that direction. 
Um, it's got deep recharge. It means it can start to migrate vertically as well as horizontally. But if we just you know, focus on the horizontal aspect, as it migrates to a certain direction and a, and a certain velocity, it, if it encounters a surface water body, be it a, a stream, a creek, a lake, a pond, you're in. You know, it's it's that simple. It's um, you know, maybe I'm oversimplifying it a little bit, but um, that's typically how it happens. You know, it goes from your septic tank into the soil, down to the groundwater. You know, it starts to move with the groundwater, and it ends up, you know, in a surface water body where, as we said, nitrogen's a nutrient, and whatever's in there, be it invasive species, plants, uh, bacteria, whatever, is going to start to use that nitri- uh, that nutrient and start to thrive, and that's when you start to get some real problems with brown tides, the cyanobacteria, the invasive species love it too. You know, it's like a fertilizer. Mm-hmm. I just have one follow-up question in, in that regard. As in, This applies more to Suffolk County than to Nassau County or uh, areas in the city. But as the population has increased um, on Long Island and more and more of these septic systems were installed, and it's been decades at this point since as the population has continued to grow that the, I would assume, that the level of nitrogen has steadily increased um, with these new systems that are talked about as well as the potential for a, a, a large municipal collection and treatment system uh, for Suffolk County. How long uh, will it take as the water moves? I'm assuming those in, from previous discussions, the water moves very slowly. How long, if, if it was a perfect scenario and there was no more nitrogen being put into the groundwater. How long would it take for that nitrogen to yeah. dissipate? Uh, well, that's that's a good question, Nick. And we, we've actually at PW Grocer we've looked at that. You know, we we've done groundwater modeling. We've done you know numerical calculations. You know, we've done all sorts of estimates based on you know available information. We talked about those you know groundwater flow, the gradients that goes from high to low in terms of you know pressure and, and mm-hmm. elevation and all that wonderful stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll give you, for instance, you know, we were working on some sewering projects, and we were looking at, say, like the Sunrise Highway area on the south shore of Long Island. And we were just saying, okay, what's the groundwater travel time from, say, Sunrise Highway down to the, the bays, south shore? Care to take a guess? Ten years. No, a little bit longer. About 26 years it was we were estimating, you know. So somebody that flushed their toilet up by Sunrise Highway goes out to their front yard, you'd expect that nitrogen or that water to reach the bay in maybe 26 years, maybe even longer, all right? So the further inland you get, right, the longer it's going to take to flush out, as you said. So like I said, that divide might be further north, maybe up by the LIE, southern state, you know, further, the further north you go. It's just going to take decades and decades longer. So as Brian said, we're probably 40, 50, 60 years, you know, if, if he had a magic wand or a magic sewer, and we could just stop all the nitrogen right now today from getting into our groundwater. It's going to take decades for it to get get out from you know the way we've been our past practices and the way we've lived our lives. Understood. So, so the bays, for argument's sake, on the South Shore are just seeing effluent or nitrogen from the, depending on the your location uh, south of the expressway from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. No, and, and that's you know, and again, that's why I think we've done you know there's been work done to prioritize certain areas you know where a lot of these ia systems have been i'll say targeted on the coastal you know communities the ones that are right on the water because you know yours has the most i'll say significant impact so that time frame if you're right on the water you could be reduced to a matter of minutes um before your wastewater is hitting the water right you know and there's no changes to it you know at least in 26 years it has time to go through that nitrogen cycle kind of naturally 
Um, and but when you're right on it, it's you might as well have the pipe sticking out the bulkhead. Right. Oh, I hope not, Brian. I, I just I do want to ask you one question. Um, you know, what's the septic system is just as you described it. It's a concrete static sort of this dumb thing that just sits there and doesn't do anything other than have water flow through it and settle out stuff. And But the IA system, you know, what's the big difference between that and that, you know, big concrete structure? Yeah, so the IA systems are, you know, from a from a mean you know from a manufacturing perspective a lot of them are you know fiberglass there are still some that are concrete um, but basically they are treatment plants they have in essence or, or creating the um, living conditions for the biological process to happen um, you know it's basically in a real simplistic view as my old boss used to tell me it's bugs and bubbles um, you put air in it you have aerobic bacteria that grow that are naturally there they proliferate because it's aerobic. They're getting fed by your wastewater stream, and their sole job is to take that ammonia and convert it. Um, and basically, by doing that, you're enhancing that biological process that otherwise would have taken 26 years can be done in you know under 24 hours. Um, and that's really the, the goal of these is to kind of you know keep that keep that growing and and kind of go with it. Now there are downsides and there are the habits that people need to change. You know you can't you know, go crazy and do 12 loads of laundry in one day over the weekend because you kind of flush out bacteria. You can't really wash your paintbrushes out in the sink because you'll turn everything white and kill it. Um, so, I mean, there are things that people need to kind of, you know, change with that mindset. But, you know, these systems, like I said, expedite that natural process, you know, greatly. And that's kind of really what you're, the main difference here. All right. Are there any other issues that, uh, like, say, a homeowner would have to be aware of? You mentioned, you know, typical homeowner may not pump out their system until it backs up on them, which could take, you said, 20 years, you know, nine, 10 years or whatever. How frequently do these things require maintenance? I mean, again, right now, the, the county in their, their programs requires that you have a, a three-year O&M agreement with the, a licensed provider from, you know. O&M. So an operations and maintenance agreement. So this is basically, you know, you're going to hire somebody like you would, like, for your HVAC system or for your oil burner that comes in maybe once, maybe twice a year, checks out the system, make sure everything's working, make sure there's no, you know, broken pumps or equipment. Um, and then, you know, they'll take samples, I think, every three years and make sure that the system's still working. Um, you know, so far, you know, again, I think once these systems have been kind of upstarted, there's really not a whole lot of maintenance. Some of them are, are far more simplistic than others. Um, you know, some are gravity fed and only have what equates to a large fish tank air pump um, so if something goes wrong it's a hundred bucks and you get a new air pump um, others have pumps and other mechanical pieces in them that that can you know um, break down over time or get clogged with uh, you know baby wipes or the so-called flushable wipes that every wastewater guy in the industry hates <laughs> um, you know because they're flushable just means they get past your toilet but what they do downstream is you know ridiculous um, and, you know, maybe you'll change your mind after you pay a guy to come and unclog them from your pump three right. times in a row. You might stop doing it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, these things are pretty robust. They're, you know, it is a little bit of a different mindset. You do have to occasionally pump them, you know, because some of the sludge does build up. It's kind of a byproduct of that natural process, and that needs to get removed every, say, three to five years. But it's going to depend on your usage, you know, how many people are in your house. Um, you know, is it two people or is it a home of six or seven? 
you know, and, and you'll have different water usage and, you know, things will change there. So, uh, and I'm not trying to knock these things, though. The one complaint people, you know, we've worked with these systems, we work with the homeowners, a few of them have mentioned, you know, what happens when my lights go out? You know, I lose power. I, I can't blow the bubbles. Is there a bypass? What happens? Can they still use the sink, the toilet, the shower? Yeah, so, I mean... Uh, it, Obviously, it, it they're really not doing dishes or laundry when the power's no, out, it, but... Yeah, it really depends on how your system is set up. Like I said, some of the IA units themselves are gravity in, gravity out. So basically, you know, it's kind of your traditional septic tank. You flush it, water flows in by gravity because the pipe is sloped to it, the pipe slopes away. Um, so if you lose power, you lose some of the biological control. Um, there are some then that have these um, shallow drain fields um, after them. So you're basically pumping the treated effluent out to a shallower drain field, which is a little different than the deep. Uh, leaching pools that we're used to. Um, the goal of the shallow drain fields, though, is to get it up in the upper soil horizon, um, kind of like the rain garden idea. You but use but the, are, those, are those pumps working when the power's out? No, that's the problem, is that those pumps will not run. But as we've gone through Hurricane Sandy and other, you know, some natural disasters here, I think a lot of people are now equipping homes with generators or generator receptacles, and, and these pumps are not super energy heavy. Um, you know, it's equivalent to a couple of light bulbs. So if you had a generator, you could run it, and your system would run fine. You wouldn't notice. Don't some of the systems, though, from a from a uh, no power perspective, don't they offer uh, excess capacity to some degree? So you'd still be able to flush your toilet. Yeah. Again, yeah. Some of these they have. You know, there is capacity in the tanks to allow you know toilets to flush. You know, sinks to run. Um, but like Paul said, you know, if you're in the middle of a power outage right. for a couple of hours, you're probably not going to be taking a shower because you don't have hot water. You're right. going to maybe only flush the toilet, and that's about it. Um, you know, some, some cooking. You're not going to be running a full, you know, your day-to-day -day life like right. you normally would, which these systems then can handle that for, you know, that period of time. Right. So, Brian, beyond the IA systems, you know, and again, grander scale, you know, what are we looking to do here on Long Island, you know? What's, what's really, you know, like the 100% removal option for nitrogen? Yeah, so, I mean, for 100% removal, you're really looking at widespread countywide sewage treatment and sewage collection. So, so that would be basically forming county sewer districts um, throughout the county, you know, collecting sewage from pockets of homes. You know, we're working on a project in Oakdale um, for right now, and, and we're looking at, you know, just shy of 500 homes. Um, putting in a low pressure sewer collection system. So collecting all the waste, pumping that waste to, uh, this would be a connection to the Bergen Point facility. Um, the county's also looking at other projects in say Forge River area and Mastic where they're building a brand new treatment plant and building the infrastructure and the collection system for the, the Mastic Shirley area to kind of pick that sewage up and move it to the new treatment plant. Um, these treatment plants are, are again, a. a in a league of their own, they're a step above IAs. You know, they reduce nitrogen even further. Um, you know, they're down to well below 10, if not down to three or four um, on a municipal level. But, you know, the downside to them is there's cost involved. You know, we, we developed here in the county, I'll say without that infrastructure in place 30 years ago. Um, and that would have made things a lot easier. And now we're kind of having to go in and retrofit it, so. So, I mean, obviously one of the big obstacles to sewering the county, you know, I mean, parts of it are, but the rest of it, it's cost has got to be, you know, one of the toughest obstacles to overcome. What can we do about that? Yeah, I mean, right now we're, we're 
the county's floating some ideas. I mean, you know, right now a lot of these projects have been funded on, you know, um, New York State federal grants. Um, you know, there is a, a concept out there now with the county with creating a, um, what they refer to it as a, rec as a renewable um, income stream. So basically, you know, potentially other areas, I think um, Maryland has done it, I think Massachusetts has done it, um, where in essence there's a fee associated with your water consumption that gets used to, you know, implement water quality improvement projects. Um, we have, I think, some of the cheaper water rates um, that we've that I'm aware of um, in the nation almost uh, here in Suffolk County. Um, and again, these projects in areas similar to ours where they've seen, you know, uh, groundwater and water quality and surface water quality degradation, that's the step you need to get to is basically, you know, having a fee that comes in that then gets spent on improving the overall water quality. And it seems like those pro programs have worked um, in these other areas. It may not be a popular concept, um, but it's something that I think without additional, you know, you can't rely on grant funding for everything. Um, so either, you know, individual homeowners are going to have to take on the debt and pay it back, um, or the county's going to do it as part of a big capital project and everybody's going to pay for it, or there's ways with, you know, this uh, other fee. To, to make it work. So, I mean, obviously, I know the, the money isn't there right now to sewer the whole county. And, you know, we're looking at doing it more bite-sized pieces, you know, and, and there's a prioritized list of areas. And, and you mentioned that um, watershed report, right? Mm -hmm. So what's coming up? You know, you mentioned Oakdale. Are there any other hot spots that we, you know, that people are anxious to see sewers in or? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're seeing it more, I'll say, on the... Um, the downtowns um, areas, you know, kind of like what Village of Patchogue did. Um, you know, they have sewers there, and they, and you see that their downtown is, you know, expanding and flourishing. And, and maybe not everybody wants to be Patchogue all over the place. But some of these downtowns, you go out to Southampton Village um, or East Hampton or, you know, go all the way out to Montauk. Montauk. You know, um, there's areas, you know, Montauk especially has you know, poor soils. It's, you know, 60, 70 feet of straight clay. You can't put septic in clay. It backs up immediately. Um, and a lot of these places are kind of limited on what you can do because of the, the rules of, you know, the sanitary rules. You're basically governed by your septic system as to what you can do. So you can't change an empty storefront from, you know, one use into a restaurant or even into an office space. Um, without going through a wastewater management approval for your septic system. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. So you're seeing focus there for, you know, community, um, you know, sewage treatment and allowing for, I'll say, growth and recovery um, in those areas. So I think those are kind of like the key priority areas there um, as far as that goes. No, I, I, I agree with you, but, um, you know, there's, you look at the other side of the coin from the commercial, you go to the residential, you know, and, and oftentimes, you know, I, I talked about the cost obstacle. There's other obstacles that you may experience with, you know, why do I need this? I've always had this out in my front yard. It works great, you know, and how do you, you know, educate people or, or, or convince them, you know, that we do need to make this change? You know, what's what's the, 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 the key to getting through to people? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a difficult one. I mean, I've been there, and I, I thought a couple of times I was going to have tomatoes and pitchforks, you know, waiting for me after giving those presentations uh, a couple of times. Um, you know, again, it, it as I said earlier, this our old way of 
you know, disposing of our wastewater was the greatest, you know, set it and forget it scheme of all times. You know, you put it in when you built the house, you have, you never see the covers, you have no idea where it is, you just flush the toilet, it goes away, you don't even think twice. Um, so again, it's, it's starting to tell people, look, you know, here's the, the downsides of this. You know, you're starting to see, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you didn't have brown tides. You know, you could walk across the bay on, you know, clam boats. You know, you had clams for days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you didn't have cyanobacteria in ponds. You could swim in these ponds that we were talking about before um, without even thinking twice about it. Now you're starting to see it. You know, you have shellfish closure areas. You have beach closures. You have, you know, there are no clams. I mean, you know, there are times where, you know, now we have fish kills. Um, you know, and you're starting to look and see those things, and those are tangible. People can see them. You know, you can, you know, go to the end of the road and see that it's the bay is brown. You can see that there's, you know, dead fish washed up in a canal. Um, and I think, you know, kind of just showing people that that's what's happening, and if we kind of continue on the course, you know, the draw for what brings people to the island and why people stay here and live here is going to be gone. I mean, there's going to be a day where, you know, um, you're not going to be able to go fishing or clamming, you know, or you're going to not be able to go in a water body for an extended period of time, you know, without, you know, running the risk of getting sick. Um, and I think that's, you know, ultimately when you don't want to get to that point, um, and I think we're, you know, we're not there yet, but if we didn't do anything, we'd be there pretty soon. Oh, man, you, you made a good case right there, Brian. You know, and we we're talking about water. We're on an island. It's surrounded by water. You know, and it's a, a big reason of, you know, why we choose to live here and, and recreate and, you know, do what we do. So let me kind of wrap things up with this, you know. Take out your crystal ball, you know. What do you predict? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, are we going to make this change? You know, 50 years from now, what's Long Island going to look like in terms of nitrogen, wastewater, the surface water issues, the groundwater issue? What do you think? Are we yeah, there? We're, yeah, oh, yeah, we're there. We're, we're making the change. Um, you know, the county, as of, I think, July 1st, is now going to require IA um, units on all new construction. And that's across the board. Residential, commercial. Um, you know, there's a few exceptions, but that was a big first step. And that took years to get them to that point. Um, you know, and, and talking to, you know, the building trades and, and groups and getting everybody on the same page that, you know, this isn't, we can't just sit back anymore. Um, but I think with that, you know, you're going to see a, a big change. And yes, there's there's costs and there are downsides to it, but you're going to see a major shift there. And hopefully these big sewer projects, you know, the county can get a couple of them off the ground and get them in the ground and, and show people again that, you know, we can put this stuff in the ground and it's not going to be a disaster. It's going to go well. The project's going to come in, you know, on budget, on time, you know, and you can make it work where that people can kind of get behind it. You know, um, I think that's the biggest thing is people have this misconception that it's a county project and it's going to go sideways on you. Um, it's not. I mean, this is these are reliable systems. They've been used all over the world. Um, you know, you can kind of make this work and we could become, I'll say, a, a poster child for how to do this right, um, you know, rather than kind of rushing to, you know, to jump into it. But you want to show that we can do it and keep doing it. You don't want to just do one of these. You know, if we do one sewer project, it's not going to change the tide. You know, we need to do, you know, the whole county. That's ultimately what you need to do to really make an impact. Very lastly here. All right. Any 
new technologies that will make installing sewers or sewering parts of the county any easier, faster, cheaper. You mentioned the low-pressure sewer systems. You know, that, that seems like, to me, a, a pretty good alternative, but it's also got its, its drawbacks as well as its benefits. I mean, what's out there? Yeah, I mean, so for sewer work, you know, there's your old school traditional gravity systems, which are, you know, kind of like what you have in your house. But, you know, we do that in the streets. You know, the downside to those is you get down 20, 30 feet real quick, and then you need big pump stations to move stuff around. The low pressure sewers um, definitely are a good option. You know, they have a grinder pump at your house, and then it, you know, pushes that out into a collection system that consists of a bunch of smaller force mains that run in the street. Um there are effluent sewers, which are kind of a similar concept where you come, there's a pump after a septic tank um, that just kind of pump, the solids stay basically on your property and the liquids go out into the street and into the collection system. So that there's, you know, multiple ways to kind of skin the cat. And there's, you know, there's various reasons why you use one system over another, um, depending upon your area and your, you know, depth of the groundwater and things of that nature. Um, but I think, you know, once you get, you know, people more familiar with the concept and you could show them that it's not just a you know a small isolated village like like Patchogue that has low pressure sewers they're the only one in the county that has you know widespread low pressure sewers right now um you know you want to show that these work you know um and we don't have to do everything the old gravity sewer way um you know the times have changed and gravity sewer has its place but it's not everywhere in Suffolk County you know so you know, we keep talking about Suffolk County, but Nassau County is predominantly sewered, correct? Yeah, Nassau County, I think, is somewhere in the realm of like 95% sewered. There's a handful of pockets that aren't. So would you say the water quality in Nassau County in regards to nitrogen is a little better off than it is in Suffolk? It seems like it. I mean, you don't hear the same reports that you do on the east end of the island than you do in the west side. So, I mean, and, just looking to the neighbor to the west, you know, isn't that a good sales pitch for Suffolk County? It, it is. And you've even, you can even look in the sound, you know, the, the Long Island sound studies, you know, and those have been going on for, for 20 years or so. And you can see improvements that have been made, you know, even just in the performance of the, the treatment plants you know, in Long Island and, and Connecticut that discharge into the sound. You know, there were performance improvements made, and you can see that that water quality is getting better, you know. Um, so kind of like you said, you know, that that's what you can show people is that this does work. This isn't just a, a novel concept that, you you know, you have to have a degree in, you know, biology or chemistry to understand. You can, you can see it. I'm with you, Brian. It's still a bit of an uphill climb, but I agree we're going get, to get there one day. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you for coming in today. Appreciate your time. It was very informative and uh, educational on all different topics we covered on nitrogen and wastewater and how it relates to, you know, water quality issues here on Long Island, be they groundwater or surface water. Uh, I also want to thank our listeners today for joining us on this third part of uh, a three-part series on, on water quality issues as they relate to Long Island. Um, you can certainly reach out to us via pwgrocer.com for more information regarding any of the topics we've discussed. Uh, but definitely subscribe, you know, to our to our podcast on all the different social media outlets because we've got plenty more topics up and coming. Some of them may include topics like brownfields, uh, geothermal topics. Certainly going to be more environmental and, and water quality issues as we as we get into this. And we look forward to seeing and, and, and uh, spending some time with everybody. Take care.